Just a brief note before we get started, this episode is part of a special series we recorded at the Chemicals America Conference in Fort Worth, Texas. Rather than our usual in-house attorney guests, these episodes feature executives and other business leaders from outside of the legal department discussing some of the biggest issues facing the chemical industry today. We hope longtime listeners appreciate this temporary shift in perspective, and we welcome new listeners, especially those of you in the chemical industry, joining us for this special series. Now, on with the show. Welcome, everyone, to the In-House Roundhouse, where in-house lawyers, outside counsel, and industry experts gather around to discuss current issues and best practices. I'm your host, Mark Henriquez, a commercial litigator with Womble Bond Dickinson. With me, as always, is my producer, Brian Ewing. Our guest today is Jay Dixon. Jay is president of Nation Ford Chemical, a leading manufacturer of specialty chemicals serving customers worldwide. And they're located in Fort Mill, um, South Carolina, not too far from Charlotte, where I'm located. And also my partner, Brad DeVore, is joining us on the podcast as well. Brad is also a partner in our Charlotte office. Brad does environmental litigation. Uh, Jay, thanks for taking time to talk to us today. Yeah, glad to be here. Great. And let me also congratulate Nation Ford on winning the gold medal. I was at the conference earlier this morning, and you know the SOCMA was awarding their, their medals, and gold was the highest. So I'm sure you're proud of that accomplishment. Yeah, we are. We, we set a goal five or six years ago to win, win the gold award. And what that is is for performance improvement in all areas in health and safety at our plant. And this was our second year winning it. Uh, we won it last year, and, and we really had no idea that we would win it back-to-back. But uh, our team really put forth a, a big effort. And what you have to do is show improvement in, in health and safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just meeting a standard every year. You have to really go above and beyond what is required by law or uh, SOCMA in their chem stewards program. That's great. Well, I imagine that makes it even tougher to be a repeat winner because <laughs> you have to show, you know, improvement to get the award yeah, and my, then even more improvement to get it again. I agree. And that's that's what I was thinking. I was thinking no one's been back-to-back winners of the award. And uh, so I was quite proud of the team. Uh, we've got a good leadership group in the plant. That's great. Actually, you know, some of our listeners may have heard of Nation Ford, but others may not. Can you can you tell our audience just a little bit more about the company and what you do, your size and what you do? Sure, yeah. We're a, a specialty chemical company, and we've got about 100 employees and about $40 million in annual revenue. And we grow about 10% each year. But really, we make a lot of different chemicals, specialty chemicals, that go into different sectors. So you can't really define us as uh, like a agro or a pharma company. We do what our customers need. And we ha- our specialties are, are batch reactions in 2,000 to 6,000 gallon vessels. We deal with hazardous chemicals, but not highly hazardous. Like for example, chlorine gas or phosgene would be considered highly hazardous. We wouldn't handle that. But we do handle flammable solvents and some acids and caustics. But uh, what, what sets us apart is we are able to deliver what the customer needs and when they need it. I know customer service is cliche, but the guys that are working in the plant, the engineers, the operators, they're all concerned about getting the product made how the customer wants it. And so 
what half of our business is, is in the tolling industry or, or tolling services. And that's kind of an odd word for uh, the chemical industry, but it, it's when uh, usually a larger company doesn't have a expertise or capacity and they ask a smaller company or, or another company mm-hmm. to make it for them. And so that's where our business has been growing. And, and we've got capacity and the know-how to grow our business in this sort of mid-level hazardous kind of operating environment. So when you have a, a tolling agreement with somebody, are they providing the recipe, as it were? They give you the, the process in terms of how to make the chemicals that they need? Yeah, that, that's correct. So, so they're usually doing the research and development. Okay. And most of our newer products are uh, new commercial molecules that are okay. being brought to market. So, so we help companies scale up what they've done in the lab or the pilot plant and help them commercialize new products. Gotcha. So if I've, if I've developed something in a lab and I like it, but now I'm going to need, you know, a larger quantity to actually start selling it, that's the kind of thing you can come to Nation Ford and say, hey, you know, I don't have the ability to make this in, you know, five kilograms of this or 50 kilograms. I don't know what size production they are, but if you need more, that's the kind of thing you could do. And you would take that process, scale it up, and then manufacture it for them. Yeah, and the, and the customers will usually buy their raw materials as well. So that's... Okay. That's a, a little less uh, financial burden on on the tollers, but we do find that our customers um, fit in two categories. They're either startups where they've got this new molecule and they want to bring it to market, and frankly, those are the ones that are one in a thousand actually work out. Or then there's the larger, more established customers that have an R and D pipeline and they've got a winner, and now they're looking to commercialize it. Gotcha. And you said that that's about half of your business. What's, what's the other half? Well, we've got three product lines. One is we make the uh, smoke dyes that the troops use in the M18 smoke grenades. Okay. And so we're the only U.S. supplier of these specialty dyes that have exacting particle size specifications and density requirements. It, they're, they're dyes that you can't pick up just off the shelf. They have to be mm-hmm. customized. And so these kind of dyes are normally made in China and India, but the U.S. want to have a a U.S. source for the products. And and they are quite difficult to make, to use as a smoke dye. Um, And then we have two other products. One is called, we call it PANA, and it's used as an additive for jet engine lubricants. So Mm -hmm. essentially the motor oil for every jet engine that flies overhead, military and commercial. So the panic can be used directly in the oil, or it can be modified by some of the lubricant companies first, and then put in the oil. So, but but there okay. are, are the molecules that are coming from the Fort Mill plant are ending up in the uh, the aircraft. Gotcha, that's interesting, and obviously that's a big that's a big market if you look at all the planes flying all over. Yeah, and it, there's other applications in, mm-hmm. in rubber uh, as an antioxidant for like transmission fluids. And any, any lubricant that needs a very good antioxidant would, gotcha. would perhaps use PANA. There's, there's mm-hmm. other products that are cheaper, but PANA is known for the aircraft turbine oil. And so do, does Nation Ford sell directly to those lubricant manufacturers for them to, to do it, or you sell to, to the airlines, or who, who, who are your customers? The, the lubricant companies, the, okay. the, the majors globally. Gotcha. And, and then we have one other product, mm-hmm. 
it's called sulfonolic acid. It's an intermediate use to make other products, so it has no end use. But the end products that it goes into are um, optical brighteners for paper. So what makes the printing paper, the white paper, brighter, mm. instead of using bleach, you can use this right. optical brightener. Uh, sulfonolic acid is also an intermediate to make yellow food dye, and it also is used to make plasticizers for concrete. And then its final application is in pharmaceuticals. Gotcha. Um, how long have you been with uh, Nation Ford? Uh, I guess about 30 years now. Okay. <laughs> so the company has been around for a pretty long time. And that seems like a long time in the chemical space anyway for, for a smaller company. Yeah, we're just over 40, 40 years. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, could you tell our listeners a little bit about some of the trends? I know, you know, there are a number of things going on in the chemical space. And we had a presentation uh, this morning from Deloitte talking about some impacts on uh, the chemical industry. I'm, I'm interested in your perspective in terms of where things are going with specialty chemicals. Well, the big trend has been to source in North America and Europe rather than China and India because those both of those countries – face strong headwinds with uh, government control over what they're producing and when they're producing, what kind of waste they can generate. So in China in particular, this is kind of old news that's been going on for two or three years, but uh, there's been many shutdowns for various reasons of, of traditional Chinese manufacturers of just basic raw materials that the U.S. needs to uh, to convert to their own products. So. We are dependent upon China and India for many, uh, we call them intermediates for production, especially in China. There's been shutdowns because of the environment to clear the air, clear the water. But then there were some explosions in the Jiangsu province going back now probably two years. But uh, so the Jiangsu province has turned uh, not friendly to chemical production. But yet mm. that's almost the heart of the, the Chinese chemical industry is in the Jiangsu province. Gotcha. So it's, it's been tough sourcing from China, but the companies that are relying on China are now turning to companies that are, are doing a good job in the U.S. to try to see if we can transfer, kind of reshore some of this production from China uh, back to the U.S., is that having a, a significant cost impact? I know for a while, right, that the th a lot of the reason that stuff was offshore to China and India was just the significantly lower manufacturing costs. I don't, is that, has that equation changed given some of the newer technologies, or is it just that it may be cheaper, but it's not a reliable source anymore? Well, e each product is specific to its own economics. But uh, in general, if you go back to the 80s, when the China industry was really growing, the products were about half price in China. Mm -hmm. And I, I'd say in, in general now, they're probably discounted by maybe 20%. Okay. So, so that gap is narrowed. Yeah. And then there's some exceptions because in China is definitely a market-driven economy now. So if there's a shortage, they raise prices. Mm. And if there's uh, ample supply, the prices drop next to raw material price. So you could have some products that uh, are just wildly more expensive in China just because there's a shortage in China. But generally speaking, it's still cheaper to make in China if you can get the product made. Gotcha. 
have the current trade war tensions and tariffs with China, has that amplified the problem of using China as a source, or is it really more the some of those preceding things around the kind of environmental concerns? What, what well, it's, it's another thing that um, causes companies to try to get these products made back in the U.S. So, yeah, it has had an impact. For example, the PANA that I was speaking to earlier, the Trump tariff of 25%, mm-hmm. uh, PANA got caught up in that. So we were able to gain some business that China had in the U.S. Now, these were not for the, the jet engine lubricants, but for some other applications. So we won some business. So we were, we were a winner in that tariff effort. However, one of the raw materials that comes from China also got caught up with the 25% wow. tariff. So um, overall, we came out ahead, but, but there are winners and losers, sure. depending upon what product. But that's had an impact in China, sourcing from China. And then the coronavirus is also ha- are starting to have an impact. And uh, it was unfortunate the virus sort of took root while the Chinese new- Lunar New Year was going on. So when it really became public, it was in January, and everyone was on vacation, and, and many people traveled to their hometown in China during the one or two week break they take for yes. the Chinese Lunar New Year. So everyone was away from, not everyone, but, but a large group of the, the Chinese were traveling at the time. So they had a logistic effort of trying to get people back home without spreading the virus. And then the government has extended the, the shutdowns of the manufacturing plants. They're all shut down for the holiday. But then the government continues to, to shut it down week after week. And so we're really not sure of the exact startup of the traditional manufacturing. Hmm. No, that is, that's interesting. Is there a lot of, um, are, are there companies that store some of these critical chemicals for, to deal with shortages, kind of an arbitrage type situation where you have storage or a lot of the chemicals not, don't have a shelf life that allows that kind of storage? Well, the shelf life varies, but for the most part, you can stockpile raw materials from China. And that's been our philosophy mm-hmm. going back probably 10 years is, is we do not want to be reliant on the Chinese or the Indians. We're the opposite of lean manufacturing. We, okay. we keep a large inventory keep, okay. <laughs> of raw materials and finished goods. So mm. we don't miss shipments and never have. But the larger companies that are, are worried more about this quarter's results, they don't, yeah. they don't keep a lot of inventory. In some cases, that can benefit us because they can turn to us if it's a particular product they don't have inventory of, but we do, then we can pick up some business maybe that they were sourcing right. from China. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, I know, I know some areas in the specialty chemical market are growing, you know, others may be shrinking or changing. Um, do you have a, you know, a broader forecast for the industry as a whole in terms of the, what areas are looking like growth areas versus contraction areas, like in the next four or five year time frame? Well, the only thing I can really speak to is, um, is what we're experiencing, and, and that is growth um, in our tolling business. And we think that is a result of companies in the U.S. and Europe that do not want to take their technology offshore. So what, if we go back to the 80s, there were chemical plants shutting down every week in the U.S. because of the Chinese and Indians. So there's a, a shortage of, of companies like us. And additionally, the U.S. 
we're requiring uh, chemical companies to meet higher standards for health and safety. And so the companies that were able to survive the Chinese onslaught of of raw material or of of product and able to stay in business with the higher cost of environmental and, and health regulations, and if they came out on the other side, which we'll call that maybe mid 2000s, mm-hmm. then they set themselves up for a good future. And so all of our competitors here at the Chemicals of America show that the tolling competitors, they're not really competitors. They have ex- certain expertise that we don't have. So when these larger companies that have developed a new molecule, they can go to a show like this and they can pick their toller and there's there we we're getting more inquiries than we can handle. Oh really? Okay, that's and, a nice and, position to be in. Yeah, and when I when I talk to um, our competitors, they they seem to be in the same situation. So, I would say that's it's been that way for the last five years. Now, specialty chemicals that sector is quite large, but it it is growing. Um, there are some pockets. You you might say that the agro pocket of the sector may be shrinking a little bit just because of what's happened over the last couple of years, but I'm not an expert in that field. I've just heard mm-hmm. anecdotal evidence of that. But but frankly, in, in the future, when the agro companies develop better, more targeted molecules, they're going to turn to tollers like us or the other folks here at the show. So our future is bright because we see our production is going to be focused on high value added specialty chemicals not the Chinese Me Too products. So there may be some opportunities that open up, but we're looking for the future and trying to partner with companies that we work well with. And so most of our businesses repeat customers. Gotcha. Is that where you see the strength being is in specifically for smaller um, manufacturers who are competing in this global space with China and India and other places being kind of uh, this contingent that you have to deal with, um, is IP, the research, R&D and IP, is that the, the saving grace for companies like yours going forward? Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's what we're looking for is the, the latest technology and the companies that develop it they want to keep it close to their chest, so um, they're going to go to companies that they can trust. Mm-hmm. And really, this is the, the tolling companies that are survivors in the U.S., are most of them are doing business correctly and trustworthy. Because um, that was the other question I was going to ask. Is you, you, you know, I know Nation Ford was founded in, what, like 1978, right? Yes. And so you you'd mentioned, you know, the, the 80s and all the way through to the early 2000s were this like kind of really difficult period for smaller chemical manufacturing companies. Was that the, uh, the saving grace for Nation Ford? I mean, obviously relationship is important, but the, the consistency and the, you know, how, how did you guys weather that period, I guess? Well, it was, it was a difficult time for a lot of tollers because there was a lot of extra capacity. But we, we just made some key decisions. We, we bought some product lines. And, um, so again, IP. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we got lucky on, on a few things. And, uh, one other thing that, that 
our company has done is use the anti-dumping laws to our benefit. So for sulfonilic acid, we've got protection from China and India on that product. So we can sell in the U.S. without having to worry about uh, discounted prices coming from China. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's helped. And, and we are active in the international trade law, uh, not just on anti-dumping, but there, there's other laws like the miscellaneous tariff bill. And of course, the Trump tariffs that we've been advocating for and against certain products in Washington. So we, we're usually um, making the rounds on the Hill one, once a year. Do you for, uh, forecast the complexity of being a tolling manufacturer is increasing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you guys mentioned earlier that, um, you know, how can we compete with China? Right. And, and it's it's really by, since the labor is still so cheap in China, it's it, the cost is increasing, but uh, it's still probably 10% of our cost for labor. So we're trying to automate mm-hmm. with computer control systems so that um, one employee can make more volume. And that's a good way to put it. It's hard to get less than one employee per shift on a certain product line. So what we're trying to do is automate and make the scale bigger. For example, instead of working on a 2,000 gallon scale, we're going to automate the process and work on a 6,000 gallon scale. And we don't have to uh, increase the amount of operators. It's just one operator looking at a computer screen running the operation. Whereas in China, you might have 10 operators right. surrounding a reactor doing a lot of things by hand. And I've visited mm-hmm. probably 100 different Chinese chemical plants and I've seen the conditions there firsthand. And it's um, it's sad, it really is, because the owners of these chemical plants some of the owners don't really have a, a regard for their workers. Right. They're not winning the gold award from soccer. They're not <laughs> they're not out there trying to innovate and protect their workers. I mean, they're probably doing the bare minimum, if that, to try to keep operating. Jay, do you see that affecting the quality of the product? I mean, is there a quality gap between what is being manufactured in India and China as compared to an operation like yours? Uh, it, usually their quality is, is on par, but the consistency is not. So, you know, most of the product is good, but then they might have a batch that has some contaminants in it. So it's not a reliable source by any means. But we've learned that because the larger global chemical companies are looking at their bottom line, if they have to pay 10% more uh, for a product... They're not going to do it. They're going to they're going to go to the unreliable source just because that's what their bosses are telling them. Mm-hmm. So it puts the procurement managers in a difficult situation because if they know if they go to China, they're going to have problems and possible shutdowns of their own manufacturing. But their managers aren't allowing them to buy more expensive goods that are more reliable. Right. Mm. They're saying we put this out for bid and or whatever, and you you we're going to go with a low cost. Yeah. Well, a lot of I times your off, the offset <clears throat> cost, I mean, it's what you're saving even if you are having to deal with an inconsistency level that you would never allow a U.S. manufacturer to get away with. You're, you're saving so much money. It's like, well, I, you know, we're still coming out uh, in the black. So we'll, we'll deal with that. <laughs> we'll, we'll try to stay on them. Right. We'll have people to, to work there specifically 
and, and keep an eye on. I've heard of, of that as a pretty common practice where manufacturers actually hire either a local or have someone uh, go live there and essentially just kind of keep an eye on what's going on on the plant floor to make sure to try to cut down on that, on, on those, um, those issues, that quality control issue. Yep. Brad, Jay mentioned uh, some of the environmental challenges in China. How do you see the U.S. environmental regulatory environment as it affects the chemical space in terms of trends or you know, where things are going from your perspective as an environmental lawyer? I would say at least at the federal level, there, there has been a drive to uh, relax regulation generally. To date, I don't think it has been terribly effective in actually doing that. Um, <laughs> And you also have state law in addition to federal. So I think that it's going to remain fairly stable here in the, in the short term. I don't see a marked decrease or increase in the level of regulation. But I think there's also very important ethical standards that most companies in, in that space operate under you know their own ethical codes as well as just as an industry that compliance is important and frankly compliance is more cost effective generally than putting yourself at risk having an enforcement action having a shutdown of a facility that sort of thing so my perspective on it is i think it's going to be pretty much the same now there may be interpretations and in enforcement that are a little more relaxed. There may be a more collaborative relationship with some of the regulators, you know, where it's let's help you get into compliance or maintain compliance as opposed to a more draconian enforcement sort of approach. But I think that's going to vary from state to state as it always has and how many resources are being committed on the federal level. Gotcha. Yeah. Good. What do you see, Jay, in terms of compliance? What's your, your sense? Well, I, I agree with everything you, you said. Uh, I think there's a little bit less reporting under the Trump administration, mm -hmm. so a little less paperwork. Um, I believe I'm not, I'm not on the in, environmental staff at, at our company, but the Obama era generally tended to be more paperwork, and the Trump has kind of relaxed some of that. Mm -hmm. That's just, I, I think that's pretty close to fact, not, not a political argument one way or the other. Right. Gotcha. Sounds good. I guess I wanted to wrap up, uh, Jay, with um, whether there are particular challenges that you see or strategy. We've talked about some of the shift and the way that I think U.S. firms and U.S. tolling companies like Nation Ford are really competing well and have plenty of business. What, what kind of things are you looking at doing, you know, to preserve that position and kind of look forward to the future? Well, we, we like to grow by uh, acquiring new product lines, but those don't come along very often. They have to be a good fit. So our best bet for growth is to continue to toll products for other companies. Um, our biggest challenge really is getting qualified chemical operators. Hmm. Uh, and, and actually, we'll, we'll train them. It, it just needs to be a person that um, wants to work and has some common sense. And, and if, if they have those two qualities, we can train them on, hmm. on how, to, how to make chemicals safely. Interesting. So, but it's still, even, even with that bar, it's hard to get people interested in coming to work now, given the current low unemployment and the economic environment. 
Yeah, I mean, working at a chemical plant's not the best place to land, or, or at least um, that's sort of what a possible employee would think. But mm. it's actually a, a lot of fun. It, yeah. You get a lot of job satisfaction. Some of the operations we do are, are amazing. And when you react, maybe a white powder with a clear liquid, and then you get a, a red color out of it, and then you get to see the, the troops using that, it is, it is quite satisfying to be in manufacturing. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I would think that, right? You, you really see something you've made at the end of the day, and it's, some, and it's something that wasn't there before. That's, that's the, with the chemical reaction, you get that. You get yeah, that and, and the operators see that, and they see that what they're doing has a positive effect on the company and the country, and the, the money that is made by the company is put right back into the company. So they see us expanding and putting in better facilities for the employees. So um, we're a family-run business, and we treat our employees like family members. And so um, I, I think we've got good morale and a great workforce, and you can see that by the gold awards, they're doing a great job. Right. To, now to I can there. see it's some, clearly a commitment there, which is great. Any, any other comments from either of you before we wrap up? I guess if, if folks are interested in learning more about Nation Ford, or maybe, uh, maybe you've got a company out there that says, I need a good toller, <laughs> what's, um, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Is it social media, or how, how, would, how would someone that hears this track you down if they wanted to propose a Well, our, our website is, is easy. It's www.nfc.us. That so that's probably easy. the best way to – so it's nfc.us. All right. And that's for Nation Ford Chemical, right? Yes. NFC. All right. Yeah. Good. Well, I'll send them there. Um, and I appreciate it. And I appreciate you attending today's podcast. Thank you also, Brad, for, for chiming in. That will conclude this episode. I do want to remind our listeners that you can find previous episodes of the In-House Roundhouse and subscribe to this podcast at our website, wombobondickinson.com, or go to iTunes, Google Play Store, or SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have questions or comments about this episode or want to propose future topics, please share them with me via LinkedIn, Twitter, or you can find my email on our webpage. Thanks for listening. This has been the In-House Roundhouse. See you at the next station. In-House Roundhouse is a production of Wombobond Dickinson. Brian Ewing is our producer and Robert Daughtry is our audio engineer.